Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because oh, yeah. we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right, let's roll. All right, this is episode one of the DNA podcast. That stands for Dennis and Andy, and I'm Andy Smith, along with my partner in crime, Dennis Turner. And a little bit about ourselves, since this is episode one. Uh, once again, I'm Andy Smith, and if you're curious about what I do, I draw comic books for a living. Check out some of my work. Plug andysmithart.com. Got that in there. In fact, you know what, Dennis? This episode is sponsored by andysmithart.com. Whoa, I know. what a coincidence. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay that sponsorship fee of one penny. All right. So if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, one penny gets you in. <laughs> We're cheap that way. Uh, so Andy, what are, t- tell the audience what you've uh, worked on in the past. I have worked on, or I've worked for Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Image Comics, Valiant Comics, I've been drawing comics since 1991, so next year's the 30th anniversary. 30 years already? Whoa. What do I get myself? What is 30, I wonder? I'll have to look that up later. I don't know. but I hope uh, it's not diamonds, because I'm not no, buying- No, that's 50. Oh, whew, I'm not buying myself diamonds. I'm a little too cheap for that. My wife's wearing cubic zirconia after all. <laughs> um, don't tell her that, and she'll never listen to this, so she'll never know. Um, so that's what I've done. I've worked on books like X-Men, Quasar, Silver Surfer, Superman. Just, once again, andysmithart.com. You can get the full rundown that way. Uh, I don't want to take this whole podcast up about myself. Dennis, what do you do? What's well, your uh, story? I'm a comic book connoisseur. Um, I've been collecting for 41 years, just finished off my X-Men run. I actually appraise comics for like insurance companies. So it's always um, something fun that I've been involved in um, for, for, for many, many, many years. Um, yeah, 41 years it took me, but um, I have been reading the X-Men since the... Uh, uh, mid to late 1970s and it, it took me 41 years to go back and collect them but I finally got my pinnacle two years ago when uh, when Stanley was still around I got my copy of X-Men number one from 1963 oh not the classic 1991 Jim Lee version that sold eight million copies well I do have those too but not signed by Stanley not signed by Stanley so yeah, I worked my way backwards and wound up picking that up and got it signed by Stan when he was uh, still with us. Here's a question. Yeah. X-Men number one, signed by Stan. What, well, X-Men number one, just in general, what's that baby ballparking at, you think? Uh, X-Men number one, it depends on, on the condition. But mint condition. For example, uh, mint, you don't find many of the mint ones oh, out co- there. Okay, fine. Near so mint. for example... Jeez. You know, the uh, um, signed by Stan, I've, I've been offered 50000 a couple of times for, uh, for it. Okay, now, yep. in comparison, yep. let's just say, now you don't have it, but I'm sure someone out there does. X-Men number one that came out in 91 that sold 8 million copies, the Jim Lee one, written by Chris Claremont, drawn by Jim Lee. If that was signed by Stan, not signed by Stan, go grab it from the 50-cent box. Yep. Signed by Stan... 
how much more would you think that would jack that up near well, mint? At the conventions, the ones that I've seen have oh, been Oh, you've selling, seen some? I have. Oh, okay, cool. About a hundred bucks. No so, way. Just a hundred bucks? <laughs> just a hundred bucks. But, you know, and it, it's it's Stan, but you realize Stan did sell uh, a lot of books. Um, and it really depends on the book that he's signing. So it means a lot more for a classic sure. comic, like if it was Fantastic Four, number one, because he made right. that. X-Men, number one. You know, things like that. Avengers, number one. Now, I... I I got to admit, though, honestly, because I could never get a 1963 X-Men number one, especially signed by Stan. I could, obviously, I could never afford it. Just going by, you know, you said it's you've been offered 50 grand. I would, though, because I thought it'd be more than 100 bucks for the Jim Lee one that came out in 1991 signed by Stan. I would actually pay that just so I could say I have an X-Men number one signed by Stan. Yeah, I, and, I would pay and, that. and just keep your eyes out at conventions. Um, but conventions. You, you, you'll you'll see them. eBay, Dennis. eBay. <laughs> That's where I'm, I'm going tonight. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a more of a convention kind of guy, but you know, I understand. Dennis, we're in lockdown. There are no conventions I can go For to right, right now. now. I understand. Okay. So if if you've got a burning desire, eBay is the place you can go. All right. So. I like to classify uh, comic book collectors in three categories. So let's see if you agree with this or not. The first category is the guy that's just like, I love reading comics. I don't give a crap about condition. I don't give a crap about putting them in the plastic bags with the boards. I just buy them. I read them. I throw them in a pile. Maybe I throw them in boxes. That's one. That's not me. Yep. Um, I, I consider myself number two and number two is the guy that has some of his collection and now you know i started collecting comics in the 80s when i was about 12 so 1981 82 something like that um and even back then i put some in bags and boards and in some i was just like you know what i don't care i'm not going to bag and board it and that's how my collection still is some are bagged and boarded some aren't. Yep. Now, I will say, though, with the, with the movies and stuff Marvel's putting out and how you'll see a spike in things, and one of, the, one of the first that comes to mind is Rocket Raccoon. Ten years ago, the first appearance of Rocket Raccoon, it was a 75-cent book. Yep. His first appearance was in an uh, issue of Incredible Hulk. I don't know the number. I don't care about the number. I just know the book came out in the 80s, and you could get it for 75 cents. Once Guardians of the Galaxy came out, that book's went over a couple hundred bucks. Yep. So my point of the story is I'll find books in my collection that are not in a bag and board that I now realize are worth money. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got a bag and board this son of a bitch, man. This thing's worth something. Right. So that's, that's two. And then three is what I consider you, which, and what I mean by that is all your comics are bagged and boarded. Doesn't matter if it's worth a buck or 50 cents, your yep. stuff is all, every book you own is in a bag and board. That is correct. So I alphanumeric everything. So I know where every single issue that I own is in its spot. And I will read them. So there, there's two ways now because they have digital codes. So for, for Marvel anyway. So right. I get them. Either I read them once and then bag and board them. Or if they're digital code, I get a digital code put it in and then I can read it on the plane or whatever, but I still bag and board it. Yep. So I would agree. There's, there's three and I am that third person. I bag and board everything. But, um, 
Um, there's also a fourth person, which um, I, I think you may have overlooked because you don't know too many. Um, some of the guys that collect comic books don't read comic books. Stupid. They, they absolutely <laughs> collect it just for monetary value. Like it's a stock market or they like dealing Ugh. in it. But I'm like, you know, for me, it's the comic books are about the about the story. So, yeah, I mean, there are and those guys will bag and board them. They won't read them. And then they, you'll just see them up on a wall at a convention or up on eBay or Facebook or, uh, or I wherever. I, I get it. But at least with my three categories, there's an enjoyment factor. I can't get an enjoyment factor out of just being the guy going buying hot books just to resell. Right. You know, or not even to resell, but just to buy to put in my collection knowing that they'll go up in value, but it's like, you're not even going to read it. Um, another thing I want to touch on, cause you said you appraise for insurance companies is, you know, when I was growing up, I'd get the overstreet price guide and the overstreet price guide is the, I guess, standard in the industry to, you know, it prices books going by condition because there's, you know, condition of books going from, uh, well, now I know there's the point system, but, you know, numeric point system of a 0.5, which I guess is a garbage book, all the way up to a 10.0, which is, you know, the unicorn, mint, there's nothing wrong with the book. But when I was growing up in the price guide, there was literally just the three categories right. of books. I happened to have a 1984 price guide in front of me, and the three categories back then were good, fine, and mint. Now, the funny thing about that is when I was in high school, that's actually how I would uh, grade the girls I looked at as well. <laughs> if I went to date them, I'd be like, eh, she's I, just good. I'm surprised you're married. <laughs> I'm surprised I'm married to Well, I married a woman that's meant, of course. Um, but the funny thing is when, when I was in high school, I was looking at meant, but I was only a good myself. So I was looking way above my pay grade for dating purposes. Um, <laughs> don't we all <laughs> yeah well today's comics are a little different so back back then there were the three categories that you you were talking about and over time they developed the 10 point numeric system right. so it goes from you know 0.5 which is a poor all the way up to a 10.0 which is a near which is a mint which they don't even come off the lines that way. They are literally unicorns. Oh, yeah. So the current price guides um, for Overstreet have gone, you know, where they start at a good, which is a 2.0. Then it goes very good, fine, very fine, very fine, near mint. And the highest that they price them at is at near mint uh, minus, which is a 9.2. So that's their current classification. So there's a few more categories and what there used to be that they put out even though there's much more than that in the industry itself you know funny uh funny little story so we were at a comic book convention last year dennis and i were and lots of guys have these dollar boxes and it's just like they say it's just boxes of comics and everything in the box is a dollar each so i came across like i think three to four issues of quasar 50 and that's a book i drew back around 1993 and it's, it's Quasar 50. Now, back then in 93, the big thing was variant covers. And a variant cover, for those of you guys that don't know, is instead of just one cover of a book, they'll do, you know, multiple covers. So variant covers. 
Well, the other big rage back in the 90s was holographic covers. There was like a hologram on the cover or a foil cover. Foils, yes. So part of the cover was foil. So Quasar 50, it wasn't a variant cover. They only did one, but it was a, it was a foil type cover. Yep. So it was a cool figure Quasar I drew in the background. was like this foil behind it. So, yeah, the, I don't think the book is really worth anything. In fact, while I'm telling the story, Dennis, maybe look up in your price guide there uh, what Quasar 50 goes for. Okay. Uh, what year price guide is that so we know? Okay. So my I have the current one that just came out. So Perfect. So yeah. we'll get the current price for a mint copy of Quasar 50. While he's looking it up, my story is this. So this guy had like three or four of them for a dollar a piece. So I bought them because I thought, you know what? I'm going to get this book graded and slabbed. And what graded and slabbed is, there's a few companies out there. Uh, oh, Dennis, you're, this is your area of expertise. Explain what graded and slabbed is. So graded is, um, in order to assign a value to it, you have to know the condition of it. So on a scale of 0.5 or 1 to 10, you know that the higher the grade, the more it's, it's worth. Key issues, which are typically like your first appearance of a character or the death of a character, those are the collectible ones. Those are typically the ones that are worth a lot, a lot more money. So, by the way, I just looked up Quasar. Oh, don't say it yet. Oh, don't, oh, don't say it. No, yet. just explain it. Explain what CGC is. Okay, so and then I'll finish my story. There's then a, you can tell me. There's a couple of companies out there um, that that will grade them and then they put them in a protective uh, casing. Um, so they will grade it, see what condition it is, and then they assign the numeric value to it and stick it on the front of the comic book casing. So, you know, maybe it's a 9.6, maybe Andy's came back a 9.6 uh, Quasar number 50, and you can just look at the case and see the grading right cool. on it, all right? And then that's what we base our pricing off of is based on that particular grading. Okay, Yep. so... Back to the Quasar 50 story. I bought the three copies the guy had for a buck a piece, three bucks. The whole point was I was going to sign one and give it to my daughter after I got it graded mm -hmm. because then it's slab, it's graded. It's just a keepsake, you know? Yeah. Uh, once again, anything special about the book, two things for me is I drew it and it's a number 50, which is a landmark issue number. So I signed it. I took it to Heroes Con last year, which is the big convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. I went up to CGC because they had a booth there and they were doing on-site grading. So I signed it in front of them because you have to, they have to witness it, which, you know, so they don't think somebody forged it. So I signed it in front of them. I got it graded. It came back, couldn't believe it, at a 9.8. What? A 9.8, dude. So, so without it being graded, because the price guide in the books are non-graded, you know, legit right. great. So what's a Quasar 50 in the current price guide go for? In the current price guide, which is a 9.2 near mint minus, it's four bucks. Four dollars. So what do you think a slabbed version, legit graded by CGC, would go for autographed by the artist? Autographed by the artist. Seriously, serious question now. If you didn't know me and somebody brought this up to you, or if you had it, like you bought it in a collection, and you're like, oh, Quasar 50, signed by the artist, 9.8. What would you price it at? Probably 40 bucks. Really? Yep. Nice. Yeah. So my next question is, Dennis, you want to buy a 9.8 Quasar 50 signed by the artist? Well, 
Let me see. I already own several of them, and I have them alphanumeric upstairs, and I can get you to sign them right now. Yeah, but see, if you're going to get it graded, I charge more for an autograph if it's going to be graded. So I'd actually have to... Oh. Signing for just somebody that doesn't want to get graded, it's free. But if you're CGCing that puppy slabbed, that'd be $10 my way. Nice. So that's a no. No, I'm good. Damn it. <laughs> I've got other stuff signed by you. We're good, Andy. Fine. So it got me thinking. Um, when I was a kid, I remember, and it was actually an issue of Captain America because that's what I collected first as a kid back in 83, 82. And there was this double-paid spread by a company called Mile High Comics. Yeah. Yeah. And Mile High Comics, so people know, it's a big store that does mail order and they have a walk-in store and they're located in mile high denver colorado that's right denver colorado now i've never been to the store that is a a bucket list thing i would like to go to the store one day but i've seen them at conventions and stuff set up so anyhow back then they would have a two-page ad in comics and it would be about the back issues and how much you know they were selling stuff for so i remember looking at giant size x-men number one in 1983 and it was priced near mint at about 60, 65 bucks. Back then, this is 1983. And I was going, man, that's a book I'd love to own. Now, as a 13-year-old kid, 65 bucks, a little bit out of my price range. I don't know if you could fly that money when you were 13. I did not. I waited until no. much later. But I tell you what, what's that book go for now? Yeah, there, there. It's recently been spiking, but um, when I had seen them, they were between eight and twelve hundred dollars. Now, is that slabbed or raw? Yes, really, same yeah. price, basically same price. Yeah, well, it's it all depends on the exact condition. Well, when, no, I when know. you look at I them. Know. So, but I mean, they're in that range, but still, compared to sixty-five dollars, oh. now, time, now time I value go back. Money. I tell you, if I could go back and tell my dad, no, dad, trust me, you give me that sixty-five dollars now. It, in 2020, that's going to be like 1200 bucks, Dad. That's going to be like 1200 bucks. You yep. probably still wouldn't do it, but I probably would have worked my ass off a lot harder cutting grass More or paper doing whatever notes. the hell I yep. did back then. That is crazy. But, okay, so that's giant size. Let's look at the real number one, The Birth of Superheroes, Action Comics number one, 1938, which is the first appearance of Superman and Therefore, the first superhero ever to show up in a comic book. So in 1984, that baby was near mint $14,000. Now, $14,000, my dad would have been like, no, I don't think so. No way. You're smoking crack. Go away. Where'd you get the... My dad would have sat me down and said, why are you doing drugs? Nancy Reagan tells you, say no to drugs, son. Why are you doing drugs? I'm not giving you $14,000 for a comic book. Well, if he did, what's that book go for now, Dennis? Well, two ways to look at it. Number one, um, the current price guide has a near mint minus, which is a 9.2. The current Overstreet has it priced at $4,200,000. When you look for actual sold, a 9.0, which is just a a little worse shape than that, um, you know, did sell. Um, for three million two hundred and seven thousand dollars on eBay. Three million dollars. Yep. I could have bought it for fourteen thousand yep. in nineteen. 
83. Well, and you're probably old enough where you could have picked it up for 10 cents, right? Oh, that's a burn. Because, <laughs> uh, just so you know, that's what cover price was in 1938. And last time I checked, Dennis and I are the same age. So he just burned himself. Way to go, big shot. Way to go. I, I don't know. I think you're at least a month older. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Fine. All right. Enough about comics. I want to talk about the thing that everybody is talking about. Tiger King. Tiger King. Joe Exotic. Doc Antler. Yep. First question out of the box. Did Caroline kill her husband? All right. So spoiler alerts. If you haven't seen it, oh, you may yeah. want to watch That's it before, be, be, before we talk yeah, about it. Yeah, we're talking about it because... My wife hasn't watched it. There's really nobody else besides online friends I can talk about it with. I want to talk. I got Dennis to watch it because I told him about it. And he's like, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch that. I was like, dude, I thought the exact same thing. I watched the first episode and I've never done hard drugs. But all I can say is after the first episode, I now know what it must be like to do a line of coke because i couldn't stop i just wanted to watch the second one so i binge watched it he did and then he's like dude have you seen it yet and i'm like no no i'm actually believe it or not was getting caught up with dexter and then shameless right now and he's like no you need to stop put a pause on it you gotta watch tiger king i'm like is it good you need to watch it but you didn't answer my question is it good good's relative (laughs) it's See, like, Dexter is good. Shameless is good, if not great for both those series. We'll talk about those later. Tiger King is just, I can't, it's addictive. I don't even know if I can say it's good. It's just addictive. It's a train wreck. Let's just put it this way. I finally gave in. You can't stop watching it. And I was like, okay, I will watch it. Now, nobody else in my family wanted to watch it, so I'm like, I'll find time and just watch it because I knew Andy wanted to talk about it. And I watched the first episode and I'm like, hmm, cops meets like American Pickers meets like, yeah, I'm like, okay, hmm, interesting little ending made me kind of interested for the second episode. And then it goes off the rails. Not at all what I was expecting. Now, just so a little bit of background, if you haven't watched, we are going to talk about, so there will be spoilers, but it's basically about three zoos that specialize in big cats so you've got carolyn i can't remember her last name don't care about her last name but she owns big cat rescue or yep big cat yeah big cat rescue they're in tampa and then you've got doc antler who owns a big cat place in myrtle beach south carolina yep and then you've got joe exotic that runs what's the name of his zoo it's not joe exotic it's I don't remember. Uh, point is, his place is in Oklahoma? Yeah, it's in Oklahoma. Okay. And but my brother lives in Oklahoma, so oh. after I started watching this, I had to text him. I'm like, dude. I said, just watch. Oh, oh, his wife just watched Tiger King. And I'm like, very Oklahoma. And he goes, we are so proud. <laughs> oh. Well, the funny thing is, so, so here's the beef. Carolyn... It's, you don't want to say it's a love triangle because none of these three people love each other. But Carolyn, the one that owns Big Cat in Tampa, 
It's a zoo. You just look at them behind cages and stuff. Yeah, Carol Baskin. Is, Carol Baskin. Is her name. Yep. The other two, Doc Antler and Myrtle Beach and Joe Exotic in Oklahoma, they actually have a thing where they'll bring out the cubs and you can pet them and take pictures with them. And Carolyn hates that. She hates it. She's so against it. She, you know, you should just be able to look at them from, you know, inside their habitats and cages. You shouldn't be able to interact with them. I'm neither here nor there. And full disclosure, it was about 15 years ago, I went to Big Cat Rescue in Tampa. So I've been there. And it's cool. It is cool. I've been, and this was only probably about five or six years ago. We went to Myrtle Beach and we've been to Doc Antlers and we have pictures holding baby tigers and stuff and petting them. We just thought it was so cool. They're so adorable. You know, so that, you know, I've been to two out of the three, which blows my mind. Now that I see the backstory on these people, I don't think if I would have seen this show, I never would pay money to any of these people. It's it's amazing because I haven't been to uh, Doc Antles or um, oh, it's Antles. either it's Antle. What am I saying? Antler? Antler. Oh, that's Antle. okay. Yeah, You're thinking whatever. of deer hunting. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's same. not that season. Close yet. enough. But it's we just went to one on our vacation this last summer and they had like a very large liger there which is half lion half tiger oh, wait where was this um this was on our trip down to where we went down through columbia and then down into florida and stuff so the our whole family and we, this wasn't we doc no it was it was, oh, a, it was another, it was another one that, that that my sister-in-law but it was very it was like a very similar type of a place so i'm like well that is that is very interesting um, so yeah, so we got to see something similar to it, but I haven't been to any of the particular ones that, that they were showing in this series. So who do you think, at, at, before we even get into this stuff, out of the three people, uh, Carol, ba- Carol Bass, is that what you said? Uh, no, Carol. It, Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Yep. Joe Exotic. So Joe, and Joe mentions her name a lot because oh, they God. have no he, love lost for he, each other. Oh God, he... He can't stand her. And Doc, Doc, uh, Antle. Antle, who's the craziest? Pick one. Who do you think is legit just off the reservation? Okay. So pick one. I, I, I'm going to pick one and I'm going to, I'm going to say for sheer showmanship, it would be Joe, Joe Exotic. I think he's the craziest. However, oh, I think, no, no, go ahead. No. I, I, but I think Carol's I the answer. most cunning. Okay. Carol, Carol's the most cunning. But I also want to say that it's, okay, so to go with the craziest, because that's how I worded it, I'll actually go with you. I'll go with Joe Exotic. Carol's definitely the most cunning. Doc Doc is just looking to get laid. I'm sorry. That dude's running a freaking harem. Okay. Because so he's just hiring women to work for him. Volunteer. I don't even think they get paid. Or no, they get paid they, really they cheap. A hundred bucks, a hundred dollars a week. A week and then Joe's were like 150 a week because that's what Carol was complaining about. Right. What What was interesting is we find out more about Doc in episode two. And this is where it changes dynamics because while they're interviewing one of the other, you know, owners, they're like, well, it's Doc's wives. Right. I was like, wives is a plural exactly. and then she goes yeah well how many well i think he's got like three then they interview somebody else and he's got well four maybe five then another one's like maybe like nine with some girlfriends and, and he's you're just, like what 
So now you add in like the show Sister Wives on top of all of this. What? What? <laughs> it kills me because like after the first episode, I was like, okay, I've been to Doc's place. I've petted some of the some of the uh, the cubs and stuff. Okay, I I don't really out of all three, I don't really mind them. But then you get into episode two and so on and so forth, and you see that he just has this harem of chicks that he's paying cheap. And that literally, the dude's just—it's like he thought to himself, "I'm not that good looking. I don't want to tie myself down to one woman. I want to get laid by multiple women. Women love cats. Women love cute little cubs. That's my ticket to Laidville with all these women. Because that's what he's doing. He's just bringing these women in." paying him dirt and it's like and they know it they right. know that he's sleeping with all these other well, they interview one of the ladies who left yeah after she, left. she worked with him for like 12 years and she's like kind of pouring out her heart about what it was like she loved the cats and stuff but most of the women they were younger and insecure oh, yeah. in life and stuff and they kind of latch on and then she even admits if i want to get ahead here kind of have to sleep with them right and I was like, wow, so they literally get paid very little for doing it. And this is how he can afford to, you know, keep his open. Now, Joe's kind of the same way, but instead of women, he does it with a lot of guys, guys that yeah, have. Yeah, Joe's gay. Yeah, he's gay, has a checkered, you know, past. And he, well, it's a kind of the guys he brings on, kind of gives them a place to stay and, and a reason to be here. And, you know, so he does the same thing. Not great living conditions, doesn't pay a lot of money, but that's how he affords but to the, be able to do this. But the difference is, so with Doc, he brings these women in, he pays them dirt, and they work for him, and, you know, there's wives, girlfriends, whatever. With Joe Exotic, he has people that work for him that aren't, you know, sleeping with him as well. He had two husbands during the show. Right. He had, and the funny thing is, Joe's taste is, because Joe, I don't know if they ever dropped his age, but he looks like he's about our age. Yeah, I Fifties or yeah, so. I don't think they yeah. ever did. But he definitely looks like he, he's been around a while. Yep. You know, because he's had this place for over 20 years, or had it, because he doesn't have it anymore. Right. So he definitely looks like he's around our age. So, you know, 50s, late 40s, whatever. But... His husbands all were like late teens, early 20s. I don't think he required a full set of teeth. Well, they did. Now, that was the no, thing. No, I don't it, think it, any it of them had out. a full rack they of did, teeth when they They did, because they showed started. them earlier and go back and watch. They had a full set of teeth. And then as you started going, as they were interviewing, you noticed they were missing teeth. teeth. Were just like they out. talk about it, and they were talking. It's the well, meth. They the call meth. it the, meth, it's the meth smile. And they're like, and then they go back and show pictures and he's got a full set of pearlies and now there's like nothing. And it's because Joe was giving them meth. And that's one of the reasons why we hooked him, including his husband, one of the husbands that he had. The one that's still alive. That's not a husband anymore. Right. Whose name was Jonathan Joe. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter what the guy's name is, but I will say every time they interviewed this guy, he's... You didn't really find out till later on, unless I missed it. I didn't get till later on, like the last couple episodes. He's not with Joe anymore. Because full disclosure, doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out. Joe's in jail now. 
Um, yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that at the end. Yeah. Why he's in jail, yeah, which why? is why this show is such a train wreck. Yeah. So Joe's in jail now. He's not. He still has a husband, which is this new guy who I believe actually still does have all his teeth. Uh, but one of his first husbands definitely is only running with like less than half of what you should have in your mouth. I mean, he's got maybe seven or eight teeth. But every time they interviewed this dude, he's sitting back on some weird looking chair, shirtless, (laughs) showing off like all these tattoos. And I mean, he would smile and you'd see like maybe three teeth when he would smile. Yep. You know, and I'm just thinking to myself, what? Put a freaking shirt on at least. I mean, the exposure you're getting now, I would hope leads to some mon- money. You know, I hope there's some monetary gain for this guy and he's not going to go spend it on, you know, alcohol or whatever. And he might go, you know what? I could get dentures. I could do something about this. Did you realize I'm jumping all around here? I've got ADHD. Um, he had a tattoo of Joe. Joe. <laughs> On his, on his lower waist. abs <laughs> yes, that he got tattooed over. Yes, when they split up with a bull. <laughs> with a bull, yeah. Yes. Well, just like... well, the reason this is so funny is, you know, we, we were talking about what little people were getting paid for on both sides. And Carol, her thing, they were very, very much against. Oh well, God. they don't pay very much. They don't pay very much. Episode three, you, there's another bombshell. Like you said, there's literally, it's like one train wreck bombshell leading into the next episode. All of a sudden you find out that Carol's, well, she doesn't pay them anything. She's complaining about the low wages at the other places because hers are all, air quotes, volunteers. They're all volunteers. And she has a tiered shirt color system. Right. How does she, like, you start, Once, you start out with as an intern, and then you can get into the next color. Which is after like a year. After a year, and then you kept you have to be there for a year for the next one, etc. Then like five years for the big one. Was it like green or the dark it's blue? green or red and or something. that's the, the final one. And then so it's like, and these people are excited about but, the color keep, shirts. They, they keep coming back. And it's like, I get it. Because these people don't know about all this inner working stuff. But now that, like, if any of these people are watching this, Tiger King, I mean, if I, if I was a volunteer and I watched Tiger King, I don't, I wouldn't go back. I'd be like, what? No way. You're a ripoff. I got it. I was volunteering, but lady, get out of here. Yeah, like I said, it's stunning that she's complaining about the other two places who are at least paying them something, but because hers are volunteers, oh, that's perfectly fine. That, that's hypocrisy well, in my book. Well, because she's rescuing cats. It's big cat right. rescue. You know, she's, she's doing it out of the good of her heart and stuff. She's not in it for the money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, and so then the show continues between, like I said, it's really the hatred between Joe and and Carol. And they go back and forth, and, and Joe gets to the point where she comes after, after him, gets PETA involved, and you start getting all of the stuff where, where Carol's group is literally going after Joe's business. So Joe gets upset, starts fighting back, um, 
Joe winds up developing such a hatred, he starts doing videos. Like, he had the blow-up doll that he said was Carol. And, <laughs> and like, would shoot it and stuff like that. On then, set, he shot... Okay, he had a studio, a, a recording video studio for his, his vlogs or whatever. And he literally pulls out a gun on set and shoots the blow-up doll. And he's not on set by himself. There's another dude sitting next to him. Yep. Yep. And he doesn't even blink an <laughs> he eye. doesn't even blink an eye. Dude pulls out a handgun and shoots the blow-up doll. Yep. And then they take other things out, and then they actually blow stuff up um, during it. Like I said, this show just shows what a train wreck everything is. However, as it continues on, one of the things that, you know, that they wind up getting to... It's about how then he gets screwed. Jeff gets screwed out of his own by a guy named uh, Jeff Lowe, who pretended he was like really rich. Oh, Joe gets screwed from Jeff. Yeah, Correct. You said Jeff, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Jeff Lowe gets. Uh, yeah. Joe gets screwed by Jeff Lowe. Right. Right. Winds up losing it. So the whole show then revolves around that, and then you find out later because then then Jeff brings in some guys like this uh, of his own. And as they're going through their entire process of trying to build things and change things, Jeff Exo- or Joe Exotic runs for both President of the United States as well as the Governor of Oklahoma. <laughs> as we know, both failed. Oh, However, what an, what, an, what an interesting concept, but it's all around his campaigns. And then he apparently starts embezzling money. And wow. Now, <laughs> just so everybody's clear when he ran for president and stuff that was 2016 we're not talking like 2004 2008 2012 we're talking like the last one this dude literally tried running for president and then like you said when that failed he ran for governor correct his campaign manager was a dude from walmart (laughs) yep who because that's who he bought his uh, ammo from almost every day yes let's Let's see, uh, uh, Dennis, I'm thinking I might run for president, and um, let me get your advice. My campaign manager. I was thinking I could go to, like, UNCC and talk to some poli-sci people, because, you know, I don't have a big budget. Yep. But then I thought, maybe I should just go to Walmart and talk to a greeter. No, no, no. Go to the guy who sells the 223 ammo. He, he's, he's got a lot more experience. Oh, than the greeter does? Yeah. Yeah, because the greeter's actually used to talking to people. Right. Because he greets them. Right. I want somebody lower down than that. Yes. Yeah, there you go. It was just amazing. I was like, <laughs> I knew. But the funny thing is, I, I really, I should, we shouldn't bag on that guy too much because he was the most sane. Yes. And he actually knew what he was getting into. He's like, wait a second. Some dude's asking me to... I love politics. Yep. I happen to be a part-time, part-timer at Walmart, and some dude wants me to run his presidential campaign. Score. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, here's the funny. We, we're, we're joking about this and stuff right now, but those who lived in Oklahoma actually had to live through this. I would love to have been there. That dude had parades going. He was giving out shirts. He had swag. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shirts throwing them out there, uh, condoms with his picture oh on it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, because that would put my wife in the mood right there. Hey, baby, let's uh, let's have a little else time than that. And Joe Exotic's going to join us in the bedroom. Yeah. So 
like I said, Joe is an interesting guy. What an interesting thing. But honestly, as much as the show is about him, there became one overriding question and circumstance and in the entire show. And they didn't drill down on it enough either. No, no, they did not. And that was? Carol, did she kill her husband in 1996 or seven? It was her her second time. husband. No, it was her first husband. First She's husband. She's her second husband now. Mm-hmm. First husband was the one she was walking away with crying when right. he picked her up. This current, the second husband who had all the money uh, no, in the that, pickup truck. I thought truck. the dude that picked her up. So she's on her third husband now? Yes. Oh, my God. So, okay, so we'll go with... So her second husband just just disappears. He, they, he, he drives through the airport because he's got money. Well, he was planning on moving to Costa Rica right. with the entire thing, and she didn't want to go to Costa Rica, right. which they talk about. So I want to move everything to Costa Rica. Carol's like, well, I don't want to go to Costa Rica. And they had he had the... Um, his business manager, who took care of everything, which was like his executive assistant, the everything was like in her name that wasn't in his, so she could control everything if he wasn't right. around, like the executor and stuff. Right. And what happens? All of a sudden, right before, the day before he is flying down to Costa Rica, they got everything set up, all of a sudden, he just disappears. Supposed to be driving cars and trucks down there, and then all of a sudden the business documents, suddenly she's not in it anymore. It all reverts to Carol in these all-new documents. How does that happen? Dude, I'm, okay. <laughs> she... Talk, talk about a couple of the conspiracies that they well, had, the theories. Well, one of the theories... Okay, well, first, they find the guy's van yes. at... The airport with the keys in it. With the keys in it. I don't even think the keys were in the ignition. I think they, they were, were on the let, floor. They were on the floor, right. Yes. So the dude supposedly takes off. Now, there's no radar of a plane flying. There's no flight logs or anything with this guy. Because he was supposedly went to... Right. Her story is he went to the airport. He just left on a plane. You know, small little Cessna whatever. Took off. But there's no flight logs. There's no radar. And she's like, well, he, he was smart enough to fly under the radar. Now, of course, the, one of the theories is, obviously, she chopped him up, fed him to the tigers. That's one of the theories. Another one is she buried him under something. I'm trying to remember what it was she buried him under. They had a, a sewage, a septic a su- tank. A septic tank, that's right. That they had put in there that, that he was, you know, well, they obviously buried him under there when they put him in. And, of course, she's, she's recounting, uh, uh, you know, trying to correct all that, saying, well, no, 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 that was already in there when he went missing. So check this out. So I love Google. Have I said how much I love Google? I love Google. You can find anything on Google. Headline, the mystery around Carol Baskin's husband is getting its own show. No, I hadn't heard that. Dateline, April 7th, 2020. The mystery around Carol Baskin's husband. So it says Netflix's documentary series Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness, tells the wild story of private zookeeper Joe Exotic and his longtime rival, animal activist Carol Baskin. Uh, There's a lot of craziness. I'm just skipping through this because we want to get to the husband. Yet the thing viewers are talking about on Twitter isn't isn't Joe Exotic's antics, but instead what really happened to Baskin's missing husband, Don Lewis. 
Wow, that's awesome. This is great because I was just thinking that. I was thinking after watching this show. Well, Andy Cohen goes, we don't want to spoil anything, but did Carol kill her husband? And that is the question everybody's asking right now. Honestly, so that's the big question. And after you watch this show, you've got to think, why aren't the police on this? Why, why isn't somebody reopening this case? Well, well just take a look at, um, in, in the show, you actually find out, you know, well, they interview some of the police and they're, they're talking to them. They, they actually gave that minivan, or the I should say it was a, like full-size conversion van. They, they didn't even dust it for prints at the airport. They actually let them drive it back and it sat on their own lot for days before they did any uh, <laughs> evidence collection. It was just stunning. It was like, well, he's disappeared, and then he was declared legally dead, I believe, after the five years. 2002, yep. He disappeared from his Florida home in 1997. And even when they did the interviews with her that they show in this, you know, they show... I mean, right after he went missing? Right after he went missing. You know, for a woman whose husband went missing, she wasn't too racked with pain. No. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I don't know where he went. I mean, I'm... I'm surprised, and I mean, there wasn't any emotion like, wow, I am really distraught. Wow. I, yeah, she got ice in her veins. Um, <laughs> so, so the reason Joe Exotic is in jail for 22 years is because he put a hit out on Carol. He paid this dude... Three thousand dollars? Oh no, five. It was supposed to be five thousand, but he only he only gave him three because that's all he could do from the money from the selling the cats. Oh no, that was from the lunch that he served and stuff like that for to the hundred and fifty people. That's right. all the money he had. Right. So he pays this dude, and the dude never, I think, even goes to Florida, um, and just you know skips out basically. And this dude, he's in the show too. Uh, they interview him as well. And yeah, Alan Glover. That was the, that's it. And Alan he, Glover. he's the the right hand man of Jeff Lowe, who winds up taking over the uh, the the zoo. The zoo, right? Right. Uh, who Jeff Lowe? This is one shady character as well. I mean, there's not no, nothing clean about this guy either. Let's be real. But uh, so anyhow, Joe Exotic gets locked up. Basically, well, the fight. Oh, so he gets locked up for 22 years, but it's on the it's on other charges. As well, not just. Yeah, there the, were 19 accounts and he found, was found guilty of all 19. Right. That led to the 22 years. The 22 years isn't all mostly from the hit he hired. It's from the other accounts. Right. He was charged with. Yeah, dealing with the zoo and yeah, I mean, oh, it, yeah. Was, it was a long laundry list. Totally. So, <laughs> watch the show. If you think we spoiled it, trust us. We didn't. No, there's Just so much it. more that goes on. There, there are some tragic moments in there. You know, he loses one of his husbands. Um, oh my God! We we, we oh. do have to at least touch on that. All right. So Travis was 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 one of his uh, one of his husbands, and he was distraught one day, and he was walking in, and he was to that campaign he was manager, to the campaign manager, and yeah. he was swinging a gun, and he goes, "I've been telling you, don't point that gun at me." And he goes, "Like I would point a loaded gun at you, right. you know." And then he and, goes, and now, "I don't even have a clip in it." Now hold on, this is all on video. Now the 
the video camera, you know, it's a security camera in the office. And the security camera is actually, the only person in the video is the campaign manager. And he's talking to Travis, who is off camera. So you don't see the, you know, the accidental shooting. But yeah, so Travis is going on about how, come on, I wouldn't point a gun at somebody that's loaded. And then what does he do? He, he puts the gun to his own head to prove a point and pulls the trigger and whoops, didn't realize there was one in the chamber. And the thing that kills me the most is you literally see the reaction of the campaign manager. That, like the video doesn't cut because there, there's nothing to show. <laughs> so they just keep showing the video of the campaign manager. And he's stunned. The, yeah, his jaw hits the floor. And he goes, but you, whatever you see on TV in, in Hollywood, that's not reality what happens. It's way worse in person. But my point is, this guy's sitting in his chair for what seems like forever with his jaw on the floor before he gets up yep. to go get help. Or 911 or he, anything. He was stunned. That was pure shock. But I mean, yeah. It, I mean, I've never seen anything like that except, you know, in movies. So obviously I have no firsthand experience. And I would like to think that if I saw somebody accidentally shoot themselves in the head, I would jump jump up automatically to go get help and not just sit there stunned. But I get, you know, I mean, this it's worth it just to see that video. Yeah. I, like I said... The entire show, I, I didn't know what to expect. Everybody just kept saying to watch it. So we're going full circle here. We, we can't even do it justice. It isn't exactly what I would call high quality, the best storyline you've ever seen. But you can't take your eyes off of it once you start. You just got to see what, what, what happens. So it's, it's only seven episodes. It's like 40, 45 minutes long each. And actually, there I read today that there's an eighth episode that's dropping actually today. Today is uh, April. Well, it's actually supposed to drop on the 12th, so it hasn't dropped yet. Uh, today's April 10th. Uh, so an eighth episode, by the time this recording's out, you guys will, it will be out there to watch. And apparently it's basically just like a where are they now uh, actor, comedian Joel McHale is hosting it. He's from the TV show community. Love that show. Oh yeah, show's great, he's great. And he basically just talks to like Jeff Lowe and some of the people that used to work for Joe Exotic just to basically see what their lives are like now after this Tiger King has exploded everywhere. Cause yeah, I mean, I mean, they're, they, they're popular. I, I, I wasn't gonna watch the show, but everyone I talked to, and there's so many memes on Facebook and it's all relating to this and like, Okay, I'm just gonna have to see what this is Dude, all there's, about. There's a meme on Facebook of <laughs> Joe Exotic hugging one of the big cats, you know, yep. Tiger. And the caption below is, this is what happened to Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Because Calvin and Hobbes ended in 1995, so it's been 25 years yes. since Calvin and Hobbes all grown up. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, so I've got a question. So even on my Facebook post, I am seeing, and I don't know what this is about yet, um, I kept seeing something about uh, President Trump pardoning Joe Exotic. Oh, Do you oh, know anything about yeah, that? Yeah. So, so, you know, we're going through this, uh, you know, the COVID-19 coronavirus, and every, every night President Trump is doing a, a coronavirus task force press conference. 
and he takes questions from you know because he's in the oh, yeah. he's in the newsroom. So the press corps is there. Yeah, he's the press corps. So a couple nights ago, one of the guys in the press corps, I don't know, the guy looked like he was maybe late twenties, early thirties, you know, young guy. Uh, not a not like a name reporter that you'd know. So it wasn't a Jim Acosta or anybody, you know, Tapper. It wasn't anybody like that. And he literally asked President Trump if he he said he heard a rumor, and he wanted to know if it was true. And he asked President Trump if the rumor was true that he was looking to pardon Joe Exotic. Say what? Yeah. So President Trump just looks at him and he's like, what? What are you talking about? And he goes, you know, Joe Exotic, show Tiger King, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Trump says he's vaguely heard of the show. And he said, you know, where'd you hear this rumor from? And he said, oh, it's from one of your sons. And Trump got like a smirk on his face and said, oh, it must have been Don Jr. And okay. it had, had to have been Don Jr. that brought it up. And he goes, look, I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look into it and see, see exactly what you're talking about. And that was that. Oh, okay. So basically, after that, uh, I guess it came out that uh, uh, Don Jr. just was jokingly saying I should talk to my dad about pardoning the guy. So it was just a joke. I mean, the the funny thing that I thought of is, you know, the coronavirus thing is a pretty serious situation. And, you know, not anybody's allowed into the press room. So you're allowed in and you finally get called on. And that's your question? I mean, it was entertaining, but... That's your quest. That's this is your moment, right? Like once again, they're they're doing social distancing inside the press room, <laughs> so it's not like people are sitting shoulder to shoulder like they were months ago. They're literally sitting five, six seats apart. It's limited to like you know eight, nine people right. maybe that can ask questions. So this is like they're getting no names in there, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I just don't know these people's names except for you know Acosta and stuff so, like that. So you get your lunch. This is your shot. You can ask the president anything. Now, granted, yes, it is anything. This is your shot. So you could be that dude that's like boxers or briefs, you know, whatever. But this is during the Corona task force meeting. So you think it would be targeted that way. And this guy blows his question. Considering we're all at home, quarantined, <laughs> sheltering in place, watching the Tiger King because there's not a whole lot else to do. And that, but that's the question. What has happened to our press corps? What I happened? just want to know. Wow. So, well, that is it for episode one of the DNA show. We hope you enjoyed it. Comics and Tigers. That was the talk of the day. We will be back next week. Yep. We're definitely going to have to talk sports. We need to, have, there's a, are we going to have an NFL season? Cowboys, mm-hmm. Packers. I don't know. We got to see what, what what's coming up. So well, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses. Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, later friends. friends.